Hello and welcome back to Ethically Sourced. I'm Dr. Stephen Bradley, your host. I am an anesthesiologist by training, and I did complete a fellowship in clinical medical ethics. Ethically Sourced is a self-made to a Black Doctors podcast, and the goal of this resource is to provide information that listeners can use to guide the care that they provide to patients. It is my hope that by listening to these discussions or journal articles or, or just my stream of consciousness, you will be equipped to provide more equitable and ethical care to your patients. I do have a website, stephenbradleymd.com. That's Stephen with a V. And I do accept ethics consultations. This consult came in a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to first talk about the ethical scenario and then talk about some ways that I approach it or ways that I recommended this individual approach these concepts. Some of the details have been changed for patient privacy, even though this is um, you know, secondhand or thirdhand information. Essentially, the consultation surrounded a patient with appendicitis. Um, the patient was not an extremist. The patient was a healthy black individual, black appearing. And the consultation came from an anesthesiologist. Ironically, the anesthesiologist was actually on active duty in the, na- in the, in the Navy. So not unlike myself, and they encountered this scenario where they were scheduled to do this uh, appendectomy. As they were getting ready to roll back, the surgical team discussed that this case would be done open. This anesthesiologist was a little concerned because they don't typically do open appendectomies these days. Pretty much everything's done laparoscopically. There's usually smaller incisions, but also this person didn't really feel that it was their place to you know, second guess a surgical approach, but they did raise their concerns um, and asked why the, the approach would be open. They were told that, you know, especially in the Department of Defense and military medicine in deployed and austere settings, oftentimes these cases are done open. However, the surgeons that are graduating from military residency as well as some civilian residencies don't actually get to do open appendectomies. So this was a good learning experience. This was a good teaching case. So the consult said, you know, they were kind of concerned that this patient was being made an educational opportunity and they further voiced those concerns and essentially ended up asking if the patient was appropriately consented. And the conversation went back and forth between them and the surgical team. I think eventually the surgical team said that they did go through the risk benefits and that clinician left it at that and proceeded with the case. So they reached out to me for additional guidance or just my thoughts on what I would do in such a situation. And this is a very tricky situation to navigate, especially not being a surgeon. So I'll just tell you, you know, my thoughts on it. And I deliberately did not look up indications for laparoscopic versus open appendectomies. Um, per report, the in young healthy patients, they had a very similar um, rates of complications or morbidity mortality, almost equivocal. I don't know, I'm not a surgeon and neither was this person. So my thoughts, this situation raised quite a few issues for me personally. Um, one was, you know, a patient being used as an experiment. That's one way to, to come off, but right. But it wasn't indicated surgical procedure. The patient had appendicitis and they needed to have their appendix out. So whether or not this was the best approach, again, that that's a bit of a surgical question, but I know personally, I do mostly laparoscopic appendectomies. Um, that's, that's what I've seen. So 
a couple things or a couple issues that this raises is the need for training because these military surgeons are going to go out and have to do these procedures and they need to know how to do them versus what is best for the patient. And we should always, always, always work to prioritize the rights and to respect the patient that we're taking care of, the patient that's sitting in front of us. You know, the patient uh, that may appear a year or two years down the road isn't a patient we're treating right now. So we need to make sure that we're providing the best standard of care for the patient right in front of us. What will we do for our loved ones if they were having this procedure? Which approach would they, would we want them to have? So beneficence versus this, um, this need for the greater good. The second thing I kind of thought about was informed consent. So it's very important that informed consent contains multiple things, but most importantly, a conversation on the risk, benefits, and alternatives. So was this patient appropriately consented for the risk of general anesthesia, the risk of, what's well, from an aesthetic perspective, but the risk of an open appendectomy versus the risk of a laparoscopic appendectomy? Were they counseled on the benefits of one approach over the other? And finally, what are their alternatives? Were they offered a choice between an open appendectomy and a laparoscopic appendectomy. The third thing that kind of that kind of uh, gets my attention is the power dynamic. So I do practice in the military. Uh, I'm in the Navy. Um, I think people, the question I've been asked before, am I a Navy physician or a physician in the Navy? And honestly, I am a physician. I do all my medical training and I practice in the Navy. So first and foremost for me is doing what's right for the patient um, in, in pretty much every role. The thing that is concerning, and this is my thoughts, this doesn't represent the thoughts of the Department of Defense or the United States Navy, we need to be very careful because these healthcare disparities exist in the civilian world as well as in the military world. And there's this incredible power dynamic because to be in military medicine, to be a physician, to be a nurse, to be a healthcare administrator, you are an officer. And the military has a, a big power dynamic between being enlisted and being an officer. So I would wonder, is this patient also an officer or is this patient enlisted? In my practice, I see a wide range of very junior enlisted um, service members coming in for surgery and the surgeons and the medical staff are all officers. And to the point where I've been trying to consent, you know, young Marines for nerve blocks and they're just saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, the whole time. And, and I'm trying to say like, hey, this is a conversation. Um, you actually do have an option here. So I do wonder, even in the setting of an informed consent a thorough, appropriate, informed consent being provided to this patient, does that power dynamic prevent an appropriate informed consent from actually taking place where if this person wasn't enlisted, they're talking to an officer, maybe this patient was a, you know, junior officer talking to a senior officer, or, you know, if you flip the, the roles around, would you perform an open appendectomy in a senior officer or a flag rank or admiral or general? Would you do the same procedure in the same manner on those quote unquote VIPs? Or would you treat these patients differently because they're junior, they're, they're lower rank? So those are the questions that I fired back to this individual that they were asking about um, what they should do. And I think their response, basically they, they raised their concerns to the surgical team and they were assured that appropriate informed consent took place and they proceeded with the case based on the, the quoted outcomes data um, that was pretty much equivocal. Um, I think it was an appropriate way to navigate the scenario. They, they spoke up, which is a good start. Um, 
the kind of nuclear option would be to discuss with the patient. I personally try not to involve myself directly or intimately in the conversation the surgeon has with their patients. But if I noticed that this became a trend or if I was concerned that this trend favored vulnerable populations or low rank, low ranking service members or um, my, minority, um, had a prevalence for minority uh, service members, then I would escalate, go through a chain of command because that's what it's there for. And then maybe start having a conversation with the service member like, hey, did you choose to have this procedure open? Did you, were you presented this option? You know, that's kind of the nuclear option because, you know, it can get really messy and it can really disrupt the physician patient relationship between a patient and a surgeon um, and can cause a, a rift. But if it's the only way to kind of ensure that the appropriate informed consent is going on, that would be one way to, uh, to accomplish that. As I was answering these questions and thinking about the scenario, I was able to find this article uh, entitled The Ethics of Medical Education. It was written by a, Rejma, a Dr. Rejma Jagzi and a Dr. Lisa Soleimani Liman, and they're out of the Department of Radiation Oncology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. And this article was published in the uh, British Medical Journal in 2004, so they're all attending somewhere. Um, it's Dr. Lamont is a instructor in medicine and medical ethics. This article does a good job of breaking down how do we balance what we need for medical education versus the individual needs of the patient. Several uh, tidbits, it, it states that although educating doctors is critical to society, an ethical deliver results from the fact that patients may not benefit from doctors in training and medical students participating in their care and may even be harmed by it. It compares and contrasts the ethics of medical research on human subjects versus what we do in the medical education pipeline. In both cases, physicians ask patients to participate in an endeavor whose primary aim is to benefit society as a whole and not specifically that individual. They're balancing the good to society and the potential benefits to individual participants against potential harm to those participants and trying to avoid the unfair distribution of risk and benefits and maintain respect for patient autonomy. The article applies three principles of research ethics to the medical education system. Those principles are respect for individuals, beneficence, and distributive justice. When it comes to respect for individuals, it's concerning to use people only as a means to an end. And that may be the case when patients are the objects of medical education or research without meaningful consent. This violates that fundamental principle of respecting the individual. When it comes to beneficence, this beneficence consists of a spectrum of obligations to promote welfare. This ranges from the negative duty not to inflict harm to the positive duty to do good. Beneficence requires that even before patients are asked to participate in research or medical education, physicians must first decide whether the overall balance of risk and benefits justifies requesting their participation. For a lot of patients, altruism versus the perceived benefit themselves is typically the primary motivation to for their participation in medical education. The final concept or, or principle of distributive justice. The burdens of medical education in the U.S. are not currently distributed fairly. There's a U.S. study that was done where students saw disproportionately higher numbers of non-white patients and patients with Medicaid, which is our public insurance. Another study found that children of doctors' parents the children of physicians were less likely to be seen by trainees than other children. These disparities exist because disadvantaged patients may not feel empowered to withhold their consent. 
These may also exist because consultants assume certain patients are likely to refuse care and therefore do not ask them to participate in care provided by residents or trainees. The lack of participation, this is a quote from the article, I thought this was really, really good. The lack of participation of trainees in the care of physicians' children is particularly troubling. It indicates that those most informed about the true risk and benefits of the system of medical education are more likely to withhold consent. This produces a tension between the three principles, as it is difficult to secure it is difficult to secure the societal benefit of medical education and maintain respect for patients who withhold consent without placing an unfair burden on disempowered groups. When socioeconomic constraints lead certain groups to participate in medical education because it is their only opportunity to obtain care, the principle of distributive justice is clearly being violated. So I think this article provides a good way to kind of look at some of the principles involved with the situation like was presented earlier. Um, I think this individual did the right thing. A lot of this, you know, you may not get it completely right with the first encounter when there's an ethical dilemma. Um, but the important thing is to prioritize the patients, do what you can, and to at least spark these conversations. And the more you practice, the better you get, just like with practicing medicine or an instrument, you just have to use it. And as long as, you know, it sounds all touchy-feely, but, you know, hopefully your heart's in the right place. Prioritize patients, patients first, always. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Hopefully it was helpful. I am always available to take these different ethics consults, provide this information on my website, stephenbradleymd.com. There's a tab there where you can shoot over your ethical scenario. Um, don't share too much personal uh, health information. And I'm more than happy to, to help out or to add my two cents to your concerns. Hopefully the information that we discussed and covered today can help you go forth and practice ethically. Definitely tune in on Monday for episode three of the Black Doctors podcast. It's going to feature a very special guest, all my guests are special, um, a vascular surgeon, and he's talking about healthcare disparities when it comes to amputations in minority and disadvantaged populations. You don't want to miss it. Tune in Monday. Again, thanks for joining us. Go forth and practice ethically.